The Democrats are already on the defensive in the 2020 presidential election, even though they don't have a candidate yet. Here's what President Trump had to say in his recent State of the Union address. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Joining me now is Yahoo Finance senior columnist Rick Newman. So, Rick, who do you think he was actually talking about when he was saying that we'll never be a socialist country? Well, I think he wants people to think he's talking about the entire Democratic Party. Uh, but, of course, uh, not all Democrats uh, are sort of going to the left the way some of them are. But I think this is what Trump is going to do. I think he's going to try to uh, label the entire Democratic Party as socialist. Uh, and he's going to seize on some of the more expansive government ideas that we've been hearing from Democrats. So obviously, I'm talking about Medicare for all, which would be a single-payer government-run health care system. Uh, Senator Kamala Harris, for example, said she favors that. And she would be willing to get rid of the entire private sector insurance system. Uh, So that's one idea. Uh, We're hearing a lot more about tax rates as high as 70%. That's obviously been floated by uh, new representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, I prefer, because her (laughs) name has 11 syllables. Uh, We we saw uh, Chuck Schumer and Bernie Sanders recently uh, said they want to develop new legislation that would limit corporate uh, stock buybacks. Uh, because they think uh, there's not enough wealth uh, making its way down to ordinary workers. Uh, We're hearing Elizabeth Warren talk about a wealth tax on multimillionaires. And this is significantly moving the boundaries on the sort of policy proposals that we've been hearing from uh, within the Democratic Party. Uh, These things were fringe ideas uh, when Bernie Sanders talked about them in 2016. And we are now seeing uh, mainstream can- presidential candidates adopt these ideas, and I think they are going to be vulnerable to Trump labeling labeling them as socialists. Are they going to get any traction, though? And who among this very crowded field of uh, Democratic presidential hopefuls do you think would sort of be the poster child, if you will, of, of a socialist government? Uh, I th- well, uh, uh, AOC is the one. I mean, she actually is a member of this group called the Socialist Demo- uh, Democratic Socialists of America (DSA). Of course, she's not running for president. She's only twenty nine years old, so she can't. She has have time. To, <laughs> you have I guess. To be Who knows? Maybe she will someday. Uh, um, but you know, so here's what Trump does. I mean, um, he's not such a great negotiator and dealmaker as we've learned with the government shutdown. But I think we need to um, give him credit for something he really is good at, which is branding. Uh, and that includes negative branding of opponents. Uh, you know, even if you found it distasteful uh, or insulting, I mean, he was pretty clever in 2016 with his epithets for all his uh, all his opponents. Little Marco, little Marco Rubio, low they energy did stick, Jeb. Didn't they? Yeah. they stuck. And uh, Pocahontas for Elizabeth Warren. Right. Uh, that is going to stick, uh, what, even if it's offensive. Um, and I think he actually is pretty good at uh, this bra- this kind of branding, or what you might call negative branding, which is uh, slapping a negative brand on something uh, that represents his opponents. So Trump, I feel pretty sure, is going to be putting this socialist label on the Democrats all the way through the 2020 election, assuming he runs. And so the question is, uh, I mean, this is a negative, generally it's a negative label. I mean, uh, 
you know, there's in some parts of the population, socialism is better received than in other parts. And I think we also have a definitional problem here. So some Americans, when they talk about socialism, they're not talking about it the way economists talk about it. So just as a matter of definition, I mean, to economists, socialism is government or state control of production, which means uh, government uh, controls private what we consider private industry. Uh, that means the government would run Google, they would run uh, General Motors, uh, it would run all the companies. I mean, we're not, any, we're never going to have that. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about textbook socialism here. What we are talking about is a sig- possible significant move to the left, an expansion of uh, government programs, otherwise known somewhat derisively as the welfare state. And this is going to be a, this, a legitimate debate in the 2020 election. It's going to happen first within the, uh, the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, in determining what kind of candidate they're actually going to nominate. Uh, and then we're going to see it playing out in the general election, I see. And, th- you know, one th- part of this we're seeing right now is Howard Schultz, uh, the former CEO of Starbucks, saying he wants to run for president, but not as a Democrat, even though he has been a lifelong Democrat. And he's basically saying this party has moved too far to the left. Uh, and he calls some of these proposals uh, unworkable. Uh, Medicare for all, he said, we can't afford it. We would go broke. Uh it is. I mean, these proposals would be f- enormously expensive. I mean, they would basically remake uh, the way we understand taxation and we pay for things like health care. Um, and so the candidates are going to have to explain not just what they stand for, but how they're going to pay for it. But we're not at that point in the, in the uh, 2020 race yet. Is the Democratic Party, though, risking alienating their base with this sort of socialist talk, if you will? Well, I think they're trying to figure out who their base is. Um, this is this is to me is the question that's in play right now. Uh, and there are, <clears throat> excuse me, there are uh, other elements within the Democratic Party who are pushing pretty hard against this move to the left. Uh, there are some act, uh, sort of activist Democratic groups who are saying, no, we got to bring this back to the center. We can't propose things that we can't pay for. We have to be reasonable. Let's not broke. Let's not break what's working. Uh, let's on, let's let's uh, focus on things that we can do. Let's be practical and pragmatic. I, I don't know how this is going to shape out, but the nominee will, I think, determine that. So uh, it's a big question whether we're going to have a nominee who looks more like Bernie Sanders in policy terms. I don't mean you know phys- physio- physical resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean policy terms, or one who looks more like Hillary Clinton from 2016, who was actually um, pretty centrist in terms of her policy. She did not call for Medicare for all, for example. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, President Trump actually gains an advantage with all of this talk about, you know, let's tax the wealthy 70 percent from from AOC, as you as you like to call her? I, I think you have to say, does he gain an advantage among uh, groups that matter? And I think he does potentially. And the group that matters here are people in the middle, moderates and centrists. A lot of them are independents. And those are the people who swing elections. So uh, Republicans uh, they capture their base in the primary, but then they have to capture another set of voters in the general election. Uh, and the, interestingly, the, the Republicans have had this problem with primary elections. Um, since it's only Republicans generally, there are some exceptions in some states, but since only Republicans vote in uh, primary elections and only Democrats vote in primary elections for the most part, um, well, you're appealing to a uh, more partisan group of people there because all the centrists uh, who are independent mm-hmm. are uh, are not allowed to vote in most states. Um, so that's why in the Republicans, we've seen candidates in the primaries who have gone further to the right than they 
otherwise would be. A good example of that is Mitt Romney in 2012. Uh, he was pretty. He was actually a pretty centrist, establishmentarian figure, pretty traditional. I mean, this is the guy who I remember put Romney Care into effect at when he was a governor of Massachusetts, right. which is ended up being the model for Obamacare, which is now considered a leftist program. wasn't so much when he did it in uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, but he uh, famously declared himself uh, in, during the 2012 uh, primaries to be severely conservative. Uh, he <laughs> got kind of laughed at because he wasn't. He wasn't severely conservative. Right. Um, and then he won in the primaries. And then he had to convince uh, general election voters that, oh, actually, he's not severely conservative because uh, that was only to get through the primaries. But, of course, you can't come out and say, oh, now I'm somebody else. So he really struggled with this definition of trying to make himself seem to be somebody he wasn't. Uh, and th- that same phenomenon kind of played to Donald Trump's advantage in 2016. Uh, we had many candidates, just as we're going to have with the Republicans in 2020, with, uh, with Democrats, Democrats. I yep. mean, sorry. It's really the first um, time the Democrats will have to deal with a field that's that the, large. That is what I'm saying. And uh, I think this is a potential problem for them because there's going to be pressure on candidates who might be more centrist to actually pander to the left and start to endorse some of these um, expensive government uh, plans that they might not ever be able to put into effect. But that's just to get through the primaries. That's if the party itself uh, ends up going further to left than it maybe has been. And I think that is happening. I mean, we have seen we Gallup has been doing these surveys on uh, party affiliation for a long time. And uh, there are fewer people now who belong to either the Republican or the Democratic mm-hmm. Party and more people who say they are independent. So they don't al- align themselves with a the party. Now, most independents tend to vote with one party or the other. But the important fact here is that in many states, they cannot vote. In the, you cannot vote in the primaries unless you are registered as either a Republican or a Democrat. So that pushes the candidate. That means you get more extreme candidates uh, going through the system and they're more, uh, more extreme candidates more likely to be nominated. Uh, and th- then you end up with uh, more extreme candidates in the general election who have a hard time appealing to moderates. So Democrats are going to face this problem really for the first time in a way they haven't before. All right. Rick Newman on uh, President Trump talking about how the U.S. will never become a socialist country. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Alexis. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.